Sowing in Health and Wellness is brought to you by Freedom Gate Church, where it is their passion to advance Christ's kingdom and disciple the generations. Freedom Gate is located at 104 Tennis Center Drive, directly behind Pioneer Chevrolet in Marietta, Ohio. Sunday morning services begin at 1030 a.m. Find more details on the web at freedomgatechurch.net. Soaring in Health and Wellness is also brought to you by Mountaineer Chiropractic, located at 2108 Camden Avenue, Suite D, Parkersburg, West Virginia. For more information, go online to mountaineercairo.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go online to eagleswayministries.org and select Patron Page in the top menu bar. Hello, and thank you for listening to Soaring in Health and Wellness with Dr. Stephen Wells. Dr. Wells is a chiropractic physician with a passion to help individuals reach new levels in health and wellness. Dr. Wells has been involved in the health and wellness field for over 30 years. Dr. Wells received his Bachelor of Science degree from Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with an emphasis in health and exercise science. He received his second Bachelor of Science degree in general sciences, along with his Doctor of Chiropractic degree, with honors from Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. Soaring in Health and Wellness is a tool to help educate individuals reach new levels in health and wellness and a passion to live with a sense of purpose and vitality. Dr. Wells and his guests, ranging from doctors of all areas of health care to educators, nurses, personal trainers, counselors, and pastors, will discuss and inform you on how to improve in all dimensions of wellness from a biblical worldview perspective with one goal in mind, seeing you soar towards optimal health and wellness. If you're ready, let's get started with today's program with your host, Dr. Steve Wells. Good morning and welcome to Soaring in Health and Wellness. Today's guest is Dr. Paul Weisbrot from Cincinnati, Ohio. Dr. Paul Weisbrot is basically has his chiropractic degree as well as his expert rating certified personal training and strength and conditioning coach. Uh, he also has a bachelor of science degree in human services psychology from the University of Wisconsin with two years postgraduate master's degree in education and clinical psychology and behavioral sports psychology. He graduated from Palmer College of Chiropractic with summa cum laude, which is the highest honors, with a 3.96 GPA average. Welcome to the program, Dr. Weisbrot. Thank you. I tell you, uh, where where is actually are you practicing? Uh, I actually practice in Loveland, Ohio, which would be a northern suburb of Cincinnati. Okay. Um, were you born and raised in Cincinnati, or you, where, where were you born and raised? Yeah, I'm originally from northern Wisconsin, so quite a ways up north. Uh, I was in uh, Marshfield, Wisconsin, and uh, Lakeland, Wisconsin. Okay. As far as um, when you uh, came out of high school, did you participate in any sports when you played in high school? Uh, yep. Actually, we were three-time state champions uh, football in the WISA Conference. It was a Catholic high school. Right. and. Uh, I uh, played some baseball and track as well, but uh, after a period of time, our school was quite small, and we didn't have a baseball or track team anymore. <laughs> okay. What position did you play in football? Uh, well, I was actually started as a corner, and uh, then I got a little bit bigger as I grew, and then I played uh, as a linebacker, and then at the University of Wisconsin, I also played uh, rugby. Oh, wow. So you played rugby in the University of Wisconsin. Wow. Correct. I tell you, okay. I tell you, did you play, um, when you were um, when you were attending Palmer, did they have a rugby team? 
Uh, yes, actually, they have a very good rugby team. I did not play while I was there, however. I uh, just found uh, too much time uh, with my studies to have enough interest in also the athletic sports at that time. Right, okay. I tell you, and also you have a Bachelor of Science degree in Human Services Psychology from the University of Wisconsin. Um, and then you went into uh, getting your bachelor's degree in clinical psychology as well? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting. I originally started in then, uh, chemical engineering, and I spent two years of working in that degree and then decided that wasn't quite for me. So it took me another three years to get my BS in uh, human services psychology. And then uh, I went for two years towards my master's in uh, clinical behavioral and experimental psychology. At that time, there wasn't really a specific sports psychology, which is more what I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I finished up there and decided that uh, I was going to pursue something more medical oriented. So I went back pre-med for one more year to uh, finish up the requirements. Then I worked as a physical therapist aide at uh, St. Joseph's Hospital in Marshfield, Wisconsin for a year. And then uh, instead of going to physical therapy or orthopedic surgery school, I decided to go to chiropractic school. So as far as chiropractic, what um, now were you treated as a patient with chiropractic or what kind of turned you on to chiropractic to go that, that route? Again, kind of an interesting story. I really didn't know anything about it. Um, I recall I did see a chiropractor a couple times maybe when I was in my teens or later teens, but I don't really recall it that well. I think uh, I went in for something. Uh, but I was in a car accident when I was 14. I was hit by a car on my bicycle and actually got uh, three fractures in my cervical spine or my neck. So um, all through high school and uh, even uh, starting out in college, I you know I had a lot of neck problems and headache problems and things like that. And then when I was playing football, I actually uh, thought I pulled a hamstring, which actually I pinched a nerve in my back and had the pain mm-hmm. down the back of my leg, which is a very common ailment. And the coach sent me to a chiropractor there, and you know took care of that in a couple visits and took some x-rays in my neck and he's like, what the heck's wrong with you? (laughs) And uh, basically after about three to six months of chiropractic care on my neck, I mean, I had no more neck problems, no more headaches. And it was quite an amazing change. And at that time I was still in the chemical engineering and then I went into psychology and found that my career path just kept changing with my interests at that particular time. And I uh, liked the chiropractic path for the ability to, you know, directly work with some athletes of, you know, different age groups of professional and mm-hmm. things of that nature, which uh, was still kind of reaching the psychology department because it was, you know, very specialized and there was only a few and uh, it wasn't as broad as I would have liked it to be. Right. As far as now, why did you select Palmer? Oh, uh, well, because Palmer Davenport's the best school there is. <laughs> I'd if say I if, was going to be a lawyer, I'd go to Harvard. If I yeah. was going to be a chiropractor, I'd go to Palmer. Right. I'd tell you what, if uh, if our listeners don't know, uh, Dr. Paul and I uh, are actually roommates uh, going to chiropractic school and so forth. And I, Paul, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you were very influential on my part as far as studying 
because um, I saw all the effort and I saw all the the time you spent in your studies. And my first um, trimester, I, I had a hard time getting through the basic neuroanatomy class. And I told myself, you know, I cannot study the same way I studied an undergraduate. And so I kind of looked at Paul and see what Paul was doing. And uh, Paul was basically doing note cards. And so Paul was the one that kind of basically started me on doing note cards. And, and when I graduated, I had maybe two trash can fulls of note cards. But uh, so I, 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 I never thanked you for uh, actually steering me in the right direction. I actually ha- learned teaching me pretty much how to study and, uh, and again, graduate with honors, but not summa cum laude. But uh, thank you for um, inspiring and what you had done. And I tell you, uh, also, I'm going to brag on Paul a little bit, too, is um, when Paul was uh, going to chiropractic school, uh, he basically um, started his uh, Biff notes and what these Biff notes were. And I'll let Paul explain a little bit, but they were basically a synopsis as far as the, of the courses that the students that they were attending chiropractic school could actually go and study. And I, I'm wondering how many Biff notes are still out there today. Any any uh, comment yeah. on it, Paul? <laughs> Well, when I, when I graduated, I was fortunate enough to actually sell the rights to the booklets to uh, Brady Press there. So uh, last I heard is uh, they're still in the bookstore and people are still buying them. And that, and that he was – uh, <laughs> He made up pretty good on that deal. I'd say so. But I'd say well, – um, <laughs> But uh, the way then all the effort and all the work that you've done in your studies and, and no wonder you, you graduate near the top of your class with a 3.96. So and that's not an easy thing to do, uh, especially at Palmer. Um, as far as um, going into uh, as far as your practice in Cincinnati, uh, we noticed that basically as far as you work with some of the athletes uh, from the. Uh, Cincinnati Reds. Also, you work as far as with the Cincinnati Bengals and the, I guess the, um, the Dayton Dragons. Uh, what is your uh, now? What's your responsibility in that capacity? Do you treat them as patients? You know, as far as chiropractic, and also if you can talk a little bit about chiropractic for people who may not know what chiropractic is. I sure can. Uh, first, que- first to answer the question as far as the athletes. Um, make a long story short, I was an associate doctor working for another physician for about six years and when I decided to leave that practice and I was going to go out on my own and uh, rejoin actually my high school best friends who also were in practice um, there was a period of time where I had what's called a non-compete clause so I couldn't uh, work in the area but uh, they opened a basically a personal training studio which was Essentially, still kind of a new idea back then. Now they're on every corner, but there was that was uh, uh, you know one of the early uh, renditions of that. So I did get my certified personal training certificate. Um, again, it's just more of a formality there. It was uh, with my education and training, it was pretty much a breeze to do that. And then I worked as a personal trainer for about a year. And within the personal training, you know, we were obviously working with, uh, you know, your regular people, so to speak, but uh, also uh, did uh, have a couple athletes come in there and through word of mouth, different athletes talking to different athletes. And then uh, when I actually had my chiropractic clinic up and running, uh, I had the opportunity to meet with uh, uh, one of the more influential uh, defensive backs with the Cincinnati Bengals. And, uh, you know, he asked me some questions, and an uh, interesting story with him is he had been essentially under chiropractic care his whole life, 
and he had had difficulty finding a chiropractor who adjusted him the way he preferred, which would be more of a manual, high velocity, low in, you know, low impact type of an adjustment. And so I started working with him, and he was doing great. And actually, he made Pro Bowl that year. And once you know, the next season, I had my phone ringing off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. As far as uh, uh, I'm no longer doing it at this particular time, but uh, for about four to five years, then uh, I was working independent from the organization. Again, you know, we're talking 12, 12, 14 years ago where teams didn't really have their own chiropractor, so to speak. And uh, I do believe the uh, Bengals have a on-site chiropractor at this point. And uh, that's, you know, about a 40-minute drive for me to get all the way downtown. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, they do have access still, and uh, uh, most uh, again being the NFL, how long do you, how long do you, uh, most players stay on teams? So most of the guys I've seen a couple of years here and there, and then you know they're traded or retire or had injuries they couldn't recover from, and uh, started out working with defensive backs. And uh, interestingly enough, after about three years, I was working on all the offensive linemen, and I think that was essentially because I'm a, a pretty big strong guy myself and uh, they were a little concerned about the smaller person handling them <laughs> right well i tell you what that's not true as far as uh if you can uh kind of describe you know, again for listeners as far as what chiropractic is and how it differs between um the actual medical approach versus the holistic approach right well there's lots of facets to chiropractic i would i think the best way to discuss that is you know the Introduction of chiropractic to your average person is because they're presenting with a problem. Generally, that problem is pain, neck pain, back pain, headaches, you know, those types of problems. So that's generally the portal of entry. Um, so from that standpoint, you want to think of chiropractic as essentially being uh, like a mechanic. Um, there's a, oh, you know, there's an underlying cause to the pain. The pain is... Your body telling you something's wrong, something's interfering with normal function, and uh, we'll come back to that later because I think that's a pretty pivotal right. thing on health and well-being in general. Um, but as far as uh, you know, back pain or neck pain, we'll just say it's generally what we'll call a mechanical problem. You know, the spine is a system of gears and hinges. If those hinges aren't lining up and they're not moving smoothly or they're rubbing together or they're pinching, it's going to cause pain. So as a chiropractic physician, we need to identify exactly where those dysfunctions are. Chiropractic adjustment restores normal alignment and motion to those segments so they stop rubbing and pitching and, and hurting. And, you know, again, I like to tell most of my patients, you know, think of it like a hinge on a door. If that hinge is a little bit crooked, yeah, you know, the door doesn't swing so good. It might squeak. Mm -hmm. If it stays that way too long, it starts to grind and rust, and that's exactly what happens with the spine. So our goal is to restore normal alignment and normal range of motion so everything is working smoothly, and then you won't have your body telling you something's wrong because it's actually not wrong anymore. It's functioning the way it was designed. The human body has an inherent design the way it's supposed to work. Well, so already what the mechanical uh, standpoint of the the portal of entry, I would say. Right, I tell you, as far as the um, the results, have you have you seen some terrific results as far as with patients you've had in your office or uh, on on the field as far as professional athletes with the Reds or um, 
Oh, sure, sure. Forward? Actually, uh, I had an interesting day, actually, just yesterday. It was uh, uh, kind of funny. Uh, I had the opportunity for the people in my clinic to see this. So I, 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 after uh, after these patients were in, I, I was like, man, I should have taken a picture. But I had my youngest patient, who was uh, five days old. I had my oldest patient, who's 98. Wow. Often, often happens to be my shortest adult patient at four foot two. And then <laughs> I had my tallest patient, who's seven foot tall. <laughs> it would have been fun to get a picture of that. It would have been kind of awkward looking. And uh, I probably would have got some hits on Facebook with that. But uh, unfortunately, I didn't think to take the picture. I was too busy having fun with them. <laughs> right. I tell you what, I would be amiss if I didn't. Um, you are married and your wife's name is um jerry, jerry okay and, and you've been with jerry for a while because you were dating jerry it's like that i believe when you were in chiropractic school is that correct that is correct we've been married since uh 99 and uh we've been together since i don't want to get it wrong i think it's 92 91 91 it's like that wow i tell Stuff you what, like that. Well, I tell you what, when you see her this afternoon or talk to her this afternoon, you tell her I said hello and so forth. And what I we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take a break and to thank our sponsors. And when we come back, we will discuss uh, the health fitness versus performance fitness. And the sources that we'll be using is the Essentials of Physical Activity um, by Dr. Fritz Schieber. And also we'll be using Total Fitness and Wellness by Dr. or actually by Scott Power, Stephen Dodd, and Erica Jackson. So we'll see you in a little bit. Sowing in Health and Wellness is brought to you by Freedom Gate Church, where it is their passion to advance Christ's kingdom and disciple the generations. Freedom Gate is located at 104 Tennis Center Drive, directly behind Pioneer Chevrolet in Marietta, Ohio. Sunday morning services begin at 1030 a.m. Find more details on the web at freedomgatechurch.net. Soaring in Health and Wellness is also brought to you by Mountaineer Chiropractic, located at 2108 Camden Avenue, Suite D, Parkersburg, West Virginia. For more information, go online to mountaineercairo.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go online to eagleswayministries.org and select Patron Page in the top menu bar. Welcome back to Soaring Health and Wellness. Today's guest is Dr. Paul Weisbrot. He is a chiropractic physician out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And today's topic is health fitness versus performance fitness. And today uh, we're discussing the first part of the section was pretty much uh, to uh, know Dr. Paul and what his responsibilities in his chiropractic office is, as well as what he is able to do on the field as far as the sports realm. Uh, but today's topic, like I said, is the difference between the health fitness components as well as the performance fitness components. Uh, exercise conditioning programs can be divided into two categories. As we had our guest on uh, two weeks ago with uh, Stacey Hauser and also Dr. Huber mentioned as far as, you know, you have to design a program to reach certain benefits to get those results. But the two um, categories that we're looking at is, again, health-related physical fitness and sports skill performance-related physical fitness. And the overall goal of Total Health Related Physical Fitness Program is to optimize the quality of life. And this is by Panetto Don. And um, they also said the specific goals of this type of fitness program are to reduce the risk of disease and to improve total physical fitness so that daily tasks can be completed with less effort and fatigue. 
In contrast, the single goal of a sports skill performance-related fitness is to improve physical fit, uh, performance in a specific sport. Uh, Dr. Paul, would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, well, and I think those two also uh, tie together quite well. Um, it's uh, often, if you think of it, pretty difficult to find someone who is sports skill-specific and very good that does not also have health-related physical fitness. Uh, in contrast, uh, it is possible, I would say, to have some health-related fitness and not necessarily to be good at any sport. But uh, as my work as personal trainer uh, as well, you find that uh, if you just continuously train someone, let's say, to on health-related fitness, it can be somewhat boring, whereas we try mm -hmm. to interest most people in improving their skill performance for some specific task. For example, I don't know if you have a, a, a man that's 50 years old and he's out of shape and he just wants to get in shape. Well, maybe we mm -hmm. try to get him interested in something like golf or something like tennis. Uh, that way you can improve the health and fitness, including some sports skill performance. And what happens is then they go out and play and they see that they're getting better and they get the positive reinforcement that gets them to continue to want to work out and exercise. If you're like, oh, I'm going to do the treadmill 30 minutes every day, you know, that can be a little bit uh, doldrums. Well, that's a good point. As far as one of the, uh, the components that we're going to start off as far as with uh, the health fitness is the cardiorespiratory fitness, also times, sometimes called the cardiorespiratory endurance or aerobic fitness. And this basically is described as a healthy, efficient functioning of the heart, lungs, blood vessels, and the blood. Uh, it's actually considered by several uh, gurus as far as is the key component of health-related physical fitness. And uh, I tell you, as far as I can relate to this, as far as my uncle, um, of course, he was 80 years old, 84. Uh, uh, he just looked like he was in total health, but he was always interested in how much you can lift as far as the six reps. And he never really focused on the cardio aspect. Paul, as far as it, like you were talking about, as far as the, the adult, as far as the 50, the 60 year old, as far as having that strong base, as far as health and fitness to be able to do the performance activities such as tennis and golf and so forth. Um, do you see a change as far as people's, uh, as far as priorities, or do you have people like who are just so you know, stubborn as far as, you know, this is the way I lifted for 50 years. This is the way I'm going to continue to lift and I'm not going to change my goals or my, you know. Well, in general, I would say that those people don't seek out help. So we probably don't really see that community. <laughs> if they've right. always been doing certain things other than uh, I do have patients that have, you know, that, that uh, maybe are weightlifters, bodybuilders, that type of thing that have always done certain things a certain way. And, you know, if they ask, they'll offer advice and, and you know, oftentimes uh, change things up. Because, like you said, it is possible to uh, not necessarily be healthy, but still work out a lot. So, uh, you know, as far as cardiorespiratory, um, yeah, that, I think as far as longevity of life, that is probably the key right there. However, uh, it doesn't mean you have to go run marathons right? or right. for marathons. Uh, actually, in many cases, marathon runners can be relatively unhealthy people because they're over cardioed. Mm -hmm. I tell you, as far as if you look back at the, uh, again, back at looking at the cardio respiratory system and so forth, uh, it's pretty much basically, or the endurance aspect of it, it's kind of like the ability to perform 
endurance type uh, exercises such as, you know, like uh, Dr. Paul had mentioned, as far as the distance running, the walking, the cycling, the swimming, those are all basically requires cardio respiratory endurance or aerobic endurance. Uh, someone who has achieved a high major cardiorespiratory endurance basically is someone who is capable of performing 30 to 60 minutes of vigorous activity or exercise with pretty much undue fatigue. Uh, you can kind of tell that as far as when someone's actually starting out on an exercise program. Yeah, and Paul, I, I know that uh, I, I know back in the days like that, you were always um, exercising. You know, that was a, very important to you as well as not only exercise, but also your studies and so forth. Uh, do you do a lot of um, cardio now that you got a little bit older? Yeah, well, I approach cardio a little differently. Um, I do cycle a lot, but uh, I'm also a drummer, so <laughs> I'll play drums for like three hours straight and uh, get a lot of cardio that way. Um, but uh, I think as far as cardio, there's different ways you can approach it. Like, for example, the average person might think, let's, let's just say they're at ground zero, okay, and they, they're mm -hmm. full use bicycling. Okay, they work up to being able to go a mile. And then they go a mile every day for three months, and guess what they find? They're not actually improving anymore over a mile because they're not pushing it past that zone. Right. Um, and there's multiple ways to get above the next cardiorespiratory phase. Uh, one is to basically try to bike farther. Generally, that's not the most effective, though. If you want to improve that, that specific skill, well, add in skill training to improve that skill and then you will automatically be able to go further with basically the same effort. Okay. So that basically, yeah, I tell you, so for someone to develop the cardiorespiratory system to, you know, I guess the activities, you know, you must employ like large muscle groups, like contracting and like, you know, like you said, a rhythmic manner, that's where it's running, uh, bicycling, uh, swimming uh, for an extended period of time. Uh, as far as another component uh, for the health fitness would be muscular strength. Um, the ability of the skeletal muscles to exert maximal amount of force, which basically means how much weight an individual can lift during one maximal effort. And I think that's where my uncle was as far as how much he can lift with one effort and so forth. And we were just, like I said, go back and forth. Uh, a lot of times adequate strength is important for health in order to perform daily tasks more efficiently. Again, uh, to decrease joint muscle injuries. Uh, to delay the weakening of muscles and bones with aging. And Paul, I tell you what, for someone to develop muscular strength, what would you recommend that they do? Yeah, well, and I would, uh, I would also add, just as I had previously mentioned, you jumped right into it. Obviously, things like weightlifting or, mm -hmm. you know, even a powerlifting type routine, well, that definitely works on muscle strength, which you can see then is directly related to the cardiorespiratory system. So a lot of times people get confused and when they think, oh, I need to do cardio, it just means I need to walk or I need to run or I need to bike. Well, there's multiple components to it. So, uh, you know, obviously your weightlifting uh, paradigms of uh, different intensity, which uh, will increase muscular strength, will therefore then also increase your ability to have things like endurance and more cardio health. Right. Uh, as far as, you know, as, as we had uh, Dr. or not Dr. Stacy, but as we had Stacy Hauser, which is the founder of Temple Challenge and the way she kind of runs her program, she pretty much does a lot of, you know, there's cardio involved in her programs. There's uh, weight resistance uh, training involved in her programs. And she's always keeping the body guessing. She never does the same thing 
you know, each day. So therefore your body's never kind of adapting to it. So therefore it's always improving. Um, this yeah, far and, uh, as- I think that, that was actually Arnold Schwarzenegger, I believe that uh, coined the, uh, phrase uh, the muscle confusion principle so right. uh, the human body is quite amazing if you do the same thing over and over it just gets better at doing it so it takes less effort the next time you do it that's the goal mm-hmm. so obviously if you want to keep improving you can't be doing the same thing over and over or you're going to reach a point in which you're no longer really getting any benefit from it because your body is used to it right Good point. Uh, another component that we're looking at as far as, and some people may confuse these as far as muscular endurance. And this is basically the ability of the skeletal muscle to perform repetitive contractions and or maintain a contraction for an extended period of time. Uh, and they basically say, although muscular strength and muscular endurance are related, they are not the same. And the example that they can use or we can use as far as, uh, and, and Paul can probably relate to this better than I, as far as a person lifting a hundred pound 150 pound barbell during one maximal muscular effort demonstrates high muscular strength. And then also a person who lifts a 75 pound barbell and lifts it a dozen times demonstrates muscular endurance. Uh, how would one basically develop uh, muscular endurance, Paul? Well, I have an interesting comment on that as well. From my experience, what, let, let's just take uh, uh, Joe or Jenny exercise. Mm-hmm. Let's say that person can go in there and we'll use those numbers. Let's say they can bench press, let's say 150 pounds, and that's the most they can do. At the same time, if you put 75 pounds on that barbell, they can do it 12 times, and that's it. They can't do it 13. Now, if you take that person and you specifically work them to get you know, their maximal effort better, let's say they can get up to one rep with 175, mm-hmm. chances are they still can only do 75 pounds 12 times because they didn't really improve their endurance as much as they just improved basically their pure strength. However, take the same scenario. We're back to 150 max and 75 pounds 12 times. Let's say you specifically get them to be able to do 85 or 75 pounds 15 times instead of 12 times. Then you put them on the bench, and guess what? They just did 160 one time. So if you increase your endurance, I find you will, by default, also just increase your pure one rep max. But increasing the one rep max doesn't really seem to help the endurance as much. So you really got to make sure that you're, you know, you're not going in the gym and lifting everything one time. You got to (laughs) get in the rep range. Um, And rep ranges are different for different people. I know, uh, when I was playing football and rugby, uh, uh, one of my training partners, it was kind of crazy. It's like, for me, high reps is 6 to 10. Most things I try to stay around 5 to 6 reps, and that mm-hmm. actually worked well for my endurance. Mm-hmm. Whereas he had to do 12 to 15 if he ever wanted to improve. If he was only doing 6s or 8s, he never got any stronger or his endurance didn't improve. So he had to do a lot of what we call negative reps or forced contractions. If I did stuff like that, I would actually get weaker. So you also have to take in consideration, you know, the individual's uh, perception. Whereas like with the professional athletes, I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm running a 4.340 and I really want to get it to a 4.2. That's different than somebody's, I've never run and I want to be able to go across the street. <laughs> right, quite a, quite a different scenario. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you look at pretty much people in general, so like that, not the athlete, but just 
everyday individuals. Pretty much everyday activities does require some level of muscular endurance, you know, either mowing a yard or. Yeah. And also I would say to the everyday exerciser who's not necessarily ever been in specific sports or, or to be really got into weightlifting, you know, I, I do see a lot of programs that you can get on the internet and things like that where, you know, they're always sticking within that 12 to 15 range or 10 to 15 range. Uh, don't be afraid to do one rep maxes. You also got to work on your strength. So a lot, a right. lot of your general fitness stuff that I see people doing in the gym, uh, you know, sometimes you got to get in there and see how much you can do once and then that use that as a gauge for your improvement. It's like, oh, wow, I haven't. Done strength that in a while, but I've been pounding these endurance exercises. Let's see if I'm actually any stronger. And chances are you are. And then that right. should change your perception of what weight you should be using now on your endurance. That should probably go up too. Well, I tell you what, you know, as far as the muscle endurance, and we talked a lot about that. Uh, so basically, like Paul has mentioned, as far as it's to develop muscle endurance, it's just basically it's the muscles repeated, contracted beyond daily levels, such as sit-ups, push-ups, and, you know, you can use weight training as well. Um, as far as they yeah, also well, there's, show... Yeah, there's a lot of uh, pure body weight exercises out there, too. You don't have to be going in the gym. You don't have to be using weights and things like that. There's uh, lots of ways that, I mean, if you just have like a bar or a, or a sling, I mean, there's a million ways you can use your own body as the body weight necessary for uh, developing endurance and strength. And, uh, you know, getting lots of programs on the internet. I think Beachbody uh, uh, is a very popular one. He's got, you know, intensity and max intensity and different names like that. But they're also one for the beginner in there. And uh, bringing up another endurance one, uh, I think it's called Couch to 5K. It's just an app you get, you know, and and every day it challenges you a little bit more based on what you were capable of the day before. And there's, you know, so with technology out there nowadays, it's a lot easier to uh, get you access to the things that can help you or, again, just uh, see a trainer. Right. As far as um, that's going to cost you a little more. <laughs> right. As far as uh, moving on, as far as another component, so forth. But before we move on, as far as they've also shown where muscular endurance can help prevent lower back pain, you know, improves muscle tone, also a posture type deal. Another component in the health fitness component is flexibility, which is so important. And that's basically the ability to move a joint through the full range of motion without discomfort or pain. And as you talked to Paul, or we talked to Paul earlier, it's like that. And that's pretty much what brings people in our office is pain. So forth. So a lot of times their range and, of motion. And, and the inability to move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So basically flexibility ensures efficient body movements. It's essential for preventing muscle and joint injury. Uh, without routine stretching, muscle and tendons shorten, become tight, decreasing the range of motion around joints and impairing flexibility. Um you know, as far as people who individual needs for flexibility can vary, you know, you have Paul who works with professional athletes uh, from anywhere from between baseball players, also football, uh, things like that, that may not require or may require more flexibility than the average person who walks in Dr. Paul's office. So the uh, flexibility basically varies based on your athletic ability, I believe, as well as what you do uh, in general as far as living. And he's, um, yeah, and uh, again, as you alluded there, I mean, this is uh, right hand in hand with where chiropractic fits in. And I guess I would bring up kind of a explanation, too, and, and everybody can kind of just test themselves. Um, a, a lot of times, uh, you know, neck pain actually is 
generally more prevalent even than back pain in my office now because so many people are, again, thanks to technology, <laughs> sitting mm-hmm. at their desk all day, you know, and your head weighs 10 to 12 pounds, so you're holding up your head all day. You know, by the uh, 6th, 8th, 10th hour, the head starts to slide forward because you don't have the strength to hold it anymore. You've reached fatigue. So, obviously, endurance-wise, the neck muscles need to be strengthened, but you strengthen those through different means. You don't want to just, like, put a weight on your head or something like that. Right. Um, But as an example, then you lose active range of motion. If you consider the difference, we, we have what we call active range of motion and passive range of motion. So uh, if you lift up your arm as high as you can, well, that's your active range. Well, let's say you go against the wall and you kind of push against it and you can move it further. That's your passive range. And under ideal situations, your active should be as close to passive as possible in order for you to function at peak performance. Right. Well, I tell you what, you know, like, like we've been talking about, Pretty much everyone needs some flexibility for activities of daily living. Uh, there's an article that was found in the British Journal of Sports Medicine by um, uh, Mickelson, uh, Caprio, and they basically said research suggests that flexibility is useful in preventing some types of muscle tendon injuries and may be useful in reducing low back pain. And I tell you, Paul, you know, and I know that's probably one of the most common things as far as complaints that people enter my office, I found. Uh, as far as people complain of lower back pain. So it's kind of nice yes. to know that the flexibility helps prevent those types of injuries and so forth. So, yes. well, um, And then I would like to add, uh, based on kind of uh, the modern techniques too with flexibility, one thing is, you know, a lot of people when they think of flexibility or when they think of stretching, what they think of is stretching as far as you can till it hurts and then holding that or going a little bit further as soon as you can. Whereas that is good type of flexibility training, but you don't want to do that type of stretching prior to an athletic event. Um, everybody probably remembers the old days of watching the football players or whatever. They all got on the field and they were all leaning forward and stretching their hamstrings and grimacing. Well, that's not a good thing to do before you exercise. That's something you want to do after you exercise because if you strain yourself through the pain range, you're actually going to weaken that tissue, which makes you actually more apt to get injured during the activity you're going to perform. But once the activity is over, you want to stretch as far and as hard as you can so that next time you're more limber. Right. Uh, As far as the final component of the health fitness would be basically body composition. And this is the ratio of lean tissue, such as bones, muscles, body organs, and fat in the body. Uh, excess body fat is related to increase in health problems, uh, such as cardiovascular disease, hypertension, stroke, and cancer, which we talked about on several of our earlier programs, and early death. Uh, they say, in general, being over fat elevates the risk of medical problems. We've already so talked about the as far as West Virginia being the ranked number one as far as population, as far as that has most obesity. Uh, so the body composition is very important. On the other hand, too little body fat also comprises health by disrupting the reproductive system, uh, decreasing temperature regulation, limiting protective cushioning of internal organs and joints. Uh, to maintain healthy body composition, uh, calor- caloric intake and expenditure must be in balance. So it's very important, you know, as far as if you basically just want to, uh, I got something going on here, huh? But anyway, so um, 
But I think there's a couple of uh, valid points to bring up with the uh, body composition as well. Um, in general, if you look up body composition on the Internet or the typical medical paradigm for that has always been something they call BMI or body mass index. Um, very misleading statistic. Um, in my case, for example, uh, I'm six foot tall, 240 pounds at about 6% body fat. BMI-wise, I am grossly obese. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Not true. So you have to consider, again, a more specific type of that thing. Well, there is body weight is important, height is important, but also muscle density, different things like that are very important. So just because your BMI is high doesn't necessarily mean you would be out of shape. Um, but uh, the component that's most important there is, you know, high-quality lean muscle, lower right. body fat, and uh, the key is burning the fat not just losing weight. If you just mm -hmm. go on, let's say, a diet, but you're not also exercising, you may lose weight, but you may also be losing muscle mass, which is part of your weight, and and, and that's not a healthy way to do it. Conversely, uh, a lot of people, when they come in, you know, again, from, from the personal training perspective, is, you know, most the majority of people come in there either because they want to get better at something or they want to get or they want to lose weight. And uh, losing weight, you take a person who has not exercised and you put in on some performance, probably like the Temple Challenge there where you're working muscles and you're going to gain some strength, you're going to gain some muscle mass with that. And uh, oftentimes the first three months of training, some, something like that, the person actually gains weight. Well, they lost a lot of body fat, but they gained muscle mass, so they changed their composition, which is the important word there, not just pure body weight because there's uh, unhealthy skinny people too right i'd say as far as um we deal with doc, uh, dr paul had mentioned as far as some of these uh skill components basically interrelated uh with the health phys uh, fitness components and some fitness experts basically include that motor skill performance which we'll discuss later is a as a sixth component because they include movement qualities such as agility and coordination that help athletes improve their performance. But they say, however, they are not directly linked to improving health in young adults and are therefore not considered a major component of health-related physical fitness. But if you look at it, these motor skills, such as agility and coordination, might increase in importance as people age or get older because good balance, coordination, and agility may help reduce the risk of falls in older adults. Yeah, and that's um, been a hot topic, it seems like, over the past year is uh, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, information coming across the uh, interwebs <laughs> as far as uh, elderly and balance, uh, balance being actually probably a very strong key component for them because of the reasons you mentioned. You know, it's like if you don't train your balance, you will lose it, and as you lose your balance, then you have muscle weakness, you fall, you break your hip, something like that. If, you know, if you wouldn't have fallen, you wouldn't have broke your hip. So let's keep our feet on the ground, so to speak. Correct. So what me and uh, Dr. Paul have discussed as far as these uh, health fitness components, and we're going with you, is basically we talked about cardiorespiratory fitness. Uh, we also talked about muscular strength. We talked about muscular endurance. We talked about the importance of flexibility, and we also talked about body composition. And these five components of health fitness are basically essential to good health and well-being. 
Uh, when these components are improved, there's a decreased risk of diseases related to sedentary lifestyle, such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, osteoporosis. An advantage of activities that promote health fitness is the fact that they can be done alone or with a group. And that's where you see the importance of getting involved with some type of organization or program, such as Temple Fitness, which we talked about with Stacey Hauser as good. Uh, basically have started and begun as far as Paul, as far as looking and we'll go through these briefly, as far as the components of performance fitness, um, you know, we look at agility, which is the ability to move the body quickly in different directions, including stopping and starting some other components of performance fitness that you can uh, maybe think about Paul, as far as that they may can think about. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, one comment there too, is I, I think just, uh, again, performance fitness, I think is important for everyone mm-hmm. because what performance fitness does is it attains a goal. You get better at something. If, right. uh, if, if your average person is participating in an activity, they want to get better at the activity. They see they're getting better at that activity because of the exercising they did, they're much more likely to continue to want to exercise than just exercising for the purpose of exercise, which, again, uh, kind of goes just like the person that, oh, I'm going to go on a diet. Whenever I hear that, I'm, you know, like, yeah, that probably lasts about a week, maybe two, and then they're no longer on a diet because it wasn't really a change of anything. It was just had their attention at that time with they were unhappy with the way they felt looked or, or, or uh, wanted to make a change. But, if, you know, if you get interested in doing something, whether, again, like I said, some of the easy ones are, you know, golf, tennis, whether it's basketball. I don't know if you guys play. We played a lot of racquetball uh, up north. uh doesn't not really popular down here, but uh, of course up north we only had about three or four months of sun, and then uh, it was yes, you know, so, no. And a racquetball court was much smaller to build than an indoor tennis court, so I think uh, one of the components there. Well, and then again coming from Wisconsin as well, uh, curling was a very popular sport, which uh, you know nobody really knew about until it got more popular with the uh, Olympics over the last uh, several years. But uh, you know there's been curling clubs, uh, you know, pretty much in every town. Uh, uh, north of Milwaukee since, uh, you know, before I was born. Right. And again, you see- what it does is you exercise to get better and then you perform something at a higher level and then that motivates you to continue to do so. If you, uh, uh, let's just take tennis. If you just play tennis every day for an hour, let's say, you're going to get better at tennis at first, but you're going to reach a point where you're not unless you also add some type of performance activity that reinforces or improves the strength and endurance or cardio fitness of the skills needed to play tennis. Mm -hmm. Like uh, one big mistake I see a lot is uh, just that when I go to the gym is, you know, there is, again, golf is huge around here. So I'm assuming it probably is with uh, uh, your weather and uh, landscape there as well. I see guys that, uh, they'll get on uh, a machine and they'll put some weight on it and then they'll pull a cable and they're pulling it in exact the mo- motion that they would when they're swinging their, their uh, golf club. And I'm like, that's probably the worst thing you can do if you want to improve your swing. <laughs> right. What you want to do is you want to strengthen all the accessory muscles that support your ability to move your arms, not beat the crap out of the same muscles that you're already beating the crap out of. Right. As far as um, 
is right as far as the um some of the other components of the the performance fitness and so forth um is 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 power is is important explosive use of strength similar to muscular strength um reaction time the ability to react quickly to a stimulus then we got balance which is the skill to maintain equilibrium with stationary uh which is static balance or while moving dynamic balance and we got speed and basically and we also have coordination which we talked a little bit about earlier before uh, but the big yeah. thing, like, like Paul and I have said, uh, mentioned so forth, um, these six components of performance fitness, which you just briefly went over, agility, power, reaction time, balance, speed, coordination, are important for an individual to success- successfully participate in sports activities. However, these components are not essential for a person to have good health. But the health fitness components usually do contribute to success in sports. And that's what Dr. Paul has been stating this whole entire time, that they interrelate with one another. So forth. So right. it's important. Well, you, can, you, can, you can very easily take one exercise and put all of those components in it and do them in a manner that would then increase your overall health. Right. I tell you, uh, Dr. Paul, I tell you, it, we're about ready to come to a close. Um, I just want to ask you if there is a golden nugget or something that you have as far as through your experience, you know, that you, if there's a listener out there that's even talking about possibly getting started on an exercise program, uh, what could you recommend someone listening to this program and helping them? Well, I, I, I would actually put that under probably three things. <laughs> okay. The first thing is, Stop thinking about it and just do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, the number one obstacle to pretty much anything in this world is too much contemplation and not enough doing. So, you know, it's like, hey, you feel, you know, if you think you might need to get some exercise, that generally means you do. So, do it. How do you do it? One or two ways. You know, there's people that are self starters like me. I don't even generally like working with training partners because. I know what I want to work on. I know how I want to work on it. I know, you know, if I'm going to work on power today or speed today or balance today or agility today and, you know, whether or not they want to. So generally, I guess when I have training partners, I would consider them more of like a subordinate training partner because they're following my plan. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that's basically my type A personality. <laughs> so uh, as far as like I don't do real well like going to a trainer because I am a trainer and I'm Mm -hmm. sure most trainers would say the exact same thing. (laughs) Uh, Secondly, if you're not a self-starter where you're just going to, you know, I mean, I know people that had not worked out their whole life. I actually have a good friend, his wife, she's had some major health concerns. Um, She wasn't grossly out of shape or anything, but, uh, you know, she just made a decision. I'm going to get in shape. And she actually uh, used one of those beach body programs because she likes to do it at home on her own at her pace. But she does it every day at the same time and, and you know, basically has improved dramatically. Some people can do that. Some people can't. Some people try that. You know, if you have a history of I've tried a workout plan, it just didn't work for me or I didn't stick with it. You know, they only did four to, you know, well, I'll say two to six weeks of it and then just kind of stopped for whatever reason. Well, chances are that you're a group fitness person. You need the support of people around you. You need the activity to be fun for me i mean i go in the gym and i put my headphones on i don't talk to anybody because i don't have time to talk you know i'm Mm -hmm. i'm doing a set i'm moving to something else boom 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 where you know other guys i see people at the gym i think they come there as a social club which is fine (laughs) because they're in that group of people now i'm there 
50 to 60 minutes. They might be there longer than that because they're talking, but, you know, they are working out. Mm-hmm. Um, most gyms even, too, you know, they have spin classes. They have uh, what's called TRX. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, you know, there's there's lots of activities that are group-related where you're still going at your speed, but you have an instructor with a group of people. Some people don't do well one-on-one because it feels too demanding, you know. So find out, you know, decide what your comfort zone is or try several things. Like I think that Temple Fitness is great. You get a group of people together, you know, I'm sure you have a vast uh, array of skill sets in there and, and fitness levels, and everybody can work together towards the same goal. The goal is improving yourself, not being better than the guy or girl next to you. And, uh, you know, again, so I, I think the Temple Fitness is great because, you know, again, a, a, it's a good access to a community of people and you're around people that you may or may not even know, but you're doing it together, which, again, will uh, is a necessary component, I think, for some people. Right. And then right. pick up a sport. I don't care what it is. Find some sport that you reasonably like and do it. And then... Do an exercise plan that is going to take into account the components of health fitness to improve at your sport. And as you get better at it, you might not even, I don't care if it's badminton, like, wow, that wasn't any fun. Okay, well, you got a badminton club down the street. Well, keep going to it and get better at it. And I guarantee you, you're probably going to like it. And then that's going to keep you working out so that you can be better at it. Well, I tell you, what, that those are some great points. Um, and I tell you what, I really enjoyed this time with Dr. Paul Weisbrot. And Dr. Paul, uh, I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy day and um, for sharing uh, with our listeners uh, what they can do to help improve their health fitness as well as their performance fitness. So thank you so much, Dr. Paul. You're welcome. All righty. I tell you, our next programs like that, we'll be discussing what Paul had mentioned as far as uh, reaching wellness, basically through lifestyle management. So uh, until next time, you all take care and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Soaring in Health and Wellness with Dr. Steve Wells and his guest. We would like to thank our sponsors, Freedom Gate Church, where it is their passion to advance Christ's kingdom and disciple the generations. Find more details on the web at freedomgatechurch.net. We would also like to thank Mountaineer Chiropractic. For more information, go online to mountaineerchiro.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go to the web at eagleswaysministries.org and select a patron page in the top menu bar. If you or your business or church would like Dr. Steve Wells to speak at your church, special event, or conference, please go online to eagleswaysministries.org and select contact on the menu bar or send an email to eagleswayministries at gmail.com or call 304-485-6589. Until next time, think of Isaiah 40, 29-31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint.